we've been teaching on the glorious church, and the glorious church is, is us, made up of all believers, people who are saved. We're in week four, but each one of these messages kind of stand on their own. So I'd encourage you to go back and listen if you haven't uh, listened to all of them, uh, you know, uh, Go back, listen, you won't be disappointed. Each one has a different topic. And so turn to 1 John, the first chapter, and we're going to begin reading in the third verse. 1 John, way back by the book of Revelation. And we're going to begin looking at this subject, or again looking here, of this glorious church. And notice this verse right here concerning really the church. You and me and God, and anybody who would be saved. 1 John 1, verse 3. And we're going to look at the subject today of relationships and fellowship. Relationships and fellowship. And that is a huge part of the glorious church. If you read the book of Acts, the kickoff of the church, that was a huge part of the church. And when we think of fellowship, sometimes uh, it can diminish down to just us, one with another, you know, how, you know, nobody said hi to me, or a lot of people said hi to me this morning, and that is only something on the surface. There should be something greater than that when it comes to church. Not that that's not important, you know, to greet one another and, and gain friends and things like that. But notice this, 1 John 1.3 says this, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. Now this is John, he walked with Jesus. And he said, what I've seen... I, I declare it to you that you also may have fellowship with us, meaning other believers, the other ones who saw the Lord. And then he said this, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, what's he explaining here? He's talking about really uh, what the kingdom of God is about, what this whole thing is about that changed after Jesus came and he died and he rose again. Look back in verse uh, 1. It says, That which was from the beginning, which you have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness, and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus who was manifested, he was actually eternal life manifest in the flesh. He wasn't just a good man. He was a good man. He wasn't just, you know, above everybody. He was eternal life. God in the flesh. 
he was eternal life. Now, we talked about eternal life the first two weeks, you know, when I was sharing on this subject. Eternal life is not what you get when you receive the Lord, like you get an, an admission ticket. You know, because you ever been to like a theme park, an amusement park, and you go to like the little stand and you get a ticket, and then you got a ticket, but you haven't gone in yet. And I think some people think when they get saved, they get a ticket that when they die, they're going to live forever. Well, there is sort of a truth in that, because ultimately, everybody lives forever. Nobody ceases to exist when they die. They either go to heaven or they go to hell. And they exist and go on forever. But heaven is for those who have eternal life. Not a ticket to live on forever. So when people receive Jesus, they actually receive divine life. And we went into great detail about this. So that's what people experience. I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, I was like, "Woo, something is different in me. I was changed inside. I didn't get religion. I didn't get baptized, though I ultimately did. And I didn't just go, I'm going to attend church, though I did. I literally, when I received Jesus, He came to live in me. This eternal life that came in the flesh now lived in me. And I was so different. Was I perfect? No. But there was eternal life in me, and I noticed I had something the rest of the world didn't have. It wasn't just religion. I didn't just get religion. I got Jesus, and notice what it says. The life was manifested. The life was manifested. And we have seen... Notice, the life was manifested. They saw it, they had touched, but the life was manifested. This life appeared in the earth. No wonder Jesus was so charming to a world. What do you mean, charming? Just like, whoa. Because the whole world, from Adam and Eve on, were in spiritual death. Remember, when you eat the fruit, you will die. They didn't have eternal life anymore. They were going to exist forever, but they didn't have that life of God in them. So when Jesus came, he was the first one to be spiritually alive in the earth. All the rest of humanity had been spiritually dead. They had been without eternal life in them. Jesus shows up, and eternal life, life is manifested, and they're walking around going, wow, this guy's different. This guy's different. And it says, And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life. So he calls it life and eternal life. If you look up the word there, it means zoe, which is becoming a popular name. It means the life and quality of life that is possessed in God. So man, he came here and he had eternal life. He was eternal life. And he said he was manifest, he was with the Father, and he was manifested to us. Wow. 
He was man. What was manifest to us? Eternal life. Now, if you read the fifth chapter in the twelfth verse, and we read it before, he said, he who has the Son then gets eternal life. So what was manifest in him that was on display comes to live inside of every believer who receives Jesus. We're not just forgiven. We're not just the same old thing that we once were. This is why the church that's made up of everybody who's saved, everywhere in the world who has been born again, those true believers have eternal life in them. He even said there's proof so you could know you have eternal life abiding in you. You, as a believer who has received Jesus, has eternal life. Nobody had to tell me, you got eternal life after I gave my life to the Lord. As a matter of fact, for three days I didn't tell anybody because I thought this is too good to be true. Now, you could be saved so long and forget what it's like, but it could be stirred up real quick. And real active again in your life. That's what made them so radical in the early church. They knew they had eternal life. They had what the world did not have. They were to give what the world needed. They had it. They had it. And he said, and this, that which we have seen, which he said is life or eternal life, and heard we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us. Now, was John just saying, I want you to have fellowship with me? Notice this, he said, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Basically, he was saying, I want you to have fellowship with me, but in all reality, what I want is you to have fellowship with God, with eternal life. Well, what is fellowship? You know, we call it Fellowship Sunday. You know, you come, we give you donut. You eat donut. You get another donut. You eat another donut. If you want, I can go on. Then you decide, nobody's watching. I will have third donut. <laughs> and we call that Fellowship Sunday. Right? Some people are like, well, are you going to get to me? Yeah. And six, donut six. <laughs> you have... Somebody said, ooh. No, you didn't. Under your breath, they're like, ooh. They just wanted to sound different. But, you know, we talk about Fellowship Sunday. What is Fellowship Sunday? It's a time where you can kind of slow down in the lobby. Well, not the eating of the donut slow down, but say hi to people, greet people when they're coming and going and things like that. And so we call it fellowship. Well, what is fellowship? It's a word we don't really use anymore. Not a lot. I mean, I don't hear it. You know, you don't hear people talk about fellowship. People who know the word fellowship are just probably people who read their Bible. And then even then, there can be a lack of understanding. And he said, I want you to have fellowship with this eternal life. I want you to have fellowship with this eternal life, and truly I want you to have fellowship with us. You know, sometimes people see something in somebody and they go, I want to hang out with them. And maybe that's how it was with them. Wow, we see something in them. 
we want to hang out with you. And he said, listen, what I want is for you to have fellowship with us, but truly, you got to fellowship with him. What is fellowship? Is it just something that, you know, occurs occasionally? Fellowship literally means association, community, joint participation, intercourse, intimacy, contribution, distribution. So when we are talking about fellowship with the Lord, we're talking about Him contributing something to you. Him distributing something to you. We, we know what a distribution center is, I think. Maybe you know what an ice cream truck is. So get back to that. Oh, yeah, I know what that is. You know, dee, dee, dee. you know, the bad music van that goes by that sells popsicles and ice cream. And uh, you go out there to get something. Well, this is fellowship. It is. You're like, well, I like fellowship then if it has to do with an ice cream truck. No, it's a picture. An ice cream truck goes somewhere and they fellowship before they fellowship with you. Say, what do you mean by that? You mean they talk to other people? No, they go to like a distribution center or some warehouse or somewhere and they have fellowship. I mean, they get a contribution. They get loaded up with ice cream. Distribution, contribution. They get loaded up with ice cream. Then they come driving into your neighborhood to fellowship with you. What does that mean? They've got something you don't have. And they want to get it to you. And if you get it, you're going to like it. That's my interpretation. If you get ice cream, you like ice cream. But they have already fellowshiped. They got it. See, the disciples had walked with the Lord. They said, we saw it. We've got it. We've been around Him. And we want to get it to you. But really, what you want is not just from us. It's what you get in Him. And so... Here they come, the ice cream men of their day, and they have something that they want to fellowship with you about, or whoever, and get it to you. Contribute, distribute something. So when we talk about fellowship, we're talking about getting something. And when you get eternal life, you don't run out like an ice cream. It comes in you when you receive Jesus. You have eternal life. Are you with me? And so we're talking about fellowship here, and in one sense, there should be an ongoing interaction. Contribution, distribution. The church should be so different, I'm talking not just this church, any church that believes in divine life, eternal life, the power of the Spirit, the power of the Word, there should be interchange and exchange constantly happening. Where if you went into a, uh, like a lounge, you know, in an airport where they allow smoking and you're locked away in a little room because you can't do it in the open, if you go into that lounge, I would expect anybody, if you did not smoke and you didn't like smoke and you hated the smell of smoke, if you went into that lounge, you would be fellowshipping. You would get smoky smell. You would get a contribution. They would distribute something to you. 
just because of you hanging out. You with me? And then when you leave, you're going to have something on you. Now, technically, as a believer, you have something in you, but there is stuff that works. That's why people need to be in an atmosphere where God is moving, because there's further fellowship. Are you with me? And so, with us, there is something to not only having eternal life, but being together as believers. This is great for lost people to come. Why? Because you get in an atmosphere, you may be depressed, uh, it'll just start driving that stuff out. You leave and you're like, man, something's different and I don't know what it is. Now, we could sm smell the cigarette smoke. Because we're familiar with it. But when we become familiar with God, we'll go, oh yeah, I know what this is. And if, and if somebody comes and they don't know, what an atmosphere to be in. Or to be brought to. Notice this, Matthew 21. This is before Jesus departed. He made some radical changes. Jesus was radical. He was he He was... Good and loving, and the guy who said, Let's go get the sheep that are lost. But he was radical too. He was. He was something else. Matthew 21. And he was something else, not just to be mean or to be in your face, but when things affected the world and the influence on the world, man, he didn't like some of that. And I'll explain here, Matthew 21, verse 12 and 13. 21, 12, and 13. Then Jesus went into the temple. Now this is real quick right before he goes to the cross. So he's setting this in order, so when he's gone, it's not out of order. He's trying to fix order. Because the temple back then was to be a place where people could come and have an encounter with God. Where people could come and learn about the Lord. And truly learn about Him. But back in that day, and maybe in this day some places, have been corrupted. And it became a religious thing. And it didn't, wasn't really what God wanted. And so here in verse 12 it says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God. Notice it's called the temple of God. Well, what would you expect at the temple of God? <laughs> I mean, it, seem, it would seem pretty easy that if you go to the temple of God, or if this is a church that belongs to God, then you'd expect God. You would expect God and God's presence. You'd expect God's power, wouldn't you? I mean, I would think, I mean, when I go to heaven, and when we all go to heaven, I'm thinking we're probably going to be expecting God's presence there. Some of you are not sure. You know, that peace and joy that it talks about, and that eternal presence and glory that's there, that, that like fills the place like a cloud, the Bible said, where people can hardly stand up and they fall down and worship Him. When you get to heaven and you're there, you're going to go, whoa! You're not going to go there because we all know. There, you know, when people die, we always, you know what they put like on Facebook or Twitter, they're in a worse place. No, they don't put that. 
Oh, how miserable for them. No, people who believe people go to heaven, they go, they're in a better place. They're in a good place. We all know there's no more tears, there's no more sorrow. There's only joy and peace in the presence of God. So if this is a temple of God, wouldn't you expect some of God? So Jesus went into the temple of God. I'd be bothered if we went to church and then you couldn't sense God. I mean, not to sound bad, I remember years ago when I was living in the world, somebody sold me something that wasn't marijuana, it was something else. And I remember thinking, I just smoked that and nothing happened. Well, I was expecting something to happen. When I then went to church, I thought, I ain't playing games. I gave up the world for the Lord, and I didn't know that God was real in this way, and He was powerful, and He was alive now. Why could you go to the world and get some experience, but you can't go with God and, and have an experience, or have Him do something that's profound in your life? I thought, no way. That, all that in the world is a counterfeit. And so here Jesus is setting in order. It said, and Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out those who bought and sold in the temple. This had turned into the wrong thing. Who bought and sold in the temple and, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seat of those who sold doves. See, they were supposed to bring their own and they were supposed to bring the best and it just turned into a business and there was junk going on. Jesus went in there loving Jesus, tender Jesus, and it started flipping tables and kicking people out. Why would he do such a thing? Why didn't he say, now you guys just straighten up? No, he was so fired up and the reason he was fired up is it tells you. And he said to them, it is written. Man, he went to the authority of the Word of God, and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Well, what does that mean? That everybody should be in there praying? Prayer is a two-way street. Prayer is God dealing with you, and you talking to God, and you dealing with God. Hey, Lord, what about this? And so you could say it like this. My house shall be called a house of contact with God. But you've made it a den of thieves. Immediately after, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. They got contact with God. Divine life affected them. Are you with me? He said, this is out of order. This is what needs to be. People need to come. They need to be brought. And when they come, they need to be able to fellowship, have something contributed to their life. And here's the thing. We should be having a contribution, a distribution, something affecting us too, a place of contact. We've gained eternal life if we've received the Lord. We bring those who don't have eternal life and they can experience God and He'll deal with them. But on the other hand, there should be just a real dynamic working in the church and in our lives. Are you with me? Relationships, you could say it like this, are influence. 
relationships are influence. They totally are. Relationships and fellowship is influence. That is a fact. Where we go, what we hang out with, who we hang out with, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's with TV or the people, their fellowship is influence. Hey, if I'm dealing with temptation, then I better be careful who I'm hanging out with because if they're like, hey man, do this, come do this, fellowship is influence. No wonder the Lord told us to renew our mind and be careful what you listen to. Why? Because fellowship is influence. He even told us we're going to have to be more diligent in these days because there's going to be so much going on, it's going to want to draw you in a different direction. Why? There's interaction that will pull. If I fellowship with the Bible, man, stuff is going to get in me. And when I fellowship with the Bible, it's going to influence me, and God is going to influence me through the book. When I fellowship with other saints, there will be iron that sharpens iron. There will be an influence. We cannot afford not to fellowship one with another. And our fellowship will not be natural here. It will be natural and supernatural. But it will be governed by divine life. And therefore, it will have an effect. Isn't it true that people sometimes come, they're a little bit blue, they come in contact, relationship, and fellowship is influence. I mean, and when you think of influence, maybe we should expand, you know, our influence. You know, when I was little, you know, we, they had construction site behind our house and, you know, water would flow in, you know, from things and it was just vacant field and you have a little river, you know, about two inches wide. You know what I'm talking about. When you're a kid, that's a river. You know how big it is compared to a hot wheel? It'll wash it away. So I remember digging a hole and I made a dam. And I influenced that river. I just dug that thing and turned it in there and filled it up. I, I had influence. Our relationships have influence. And we can shape things and do things by choice and by God's design. He'll deal with us about these things so that we might grow with Him, walk with Him, and know Him in a real way. We just need to realize... All relationships are influence. You are influence. Or, you know, think about it. You can be influenced and you can influence. After Jesus and his disciples traveled on the earth, after Jesus was gone, they said, we can tell that these guys have been with Jesus. And why, what, what made them know how they acted? But they influenced Jesus influenced people and caused such an impact with eternal life and this was before anybody could get saved and now that people can get born again because Jesus died and rose again what kind of influence can we have church should influence us when I talk to people and hang around with people I should influence them we pick them off one at a time 
You know, like they say, the first banana away from the bunch gets peeled. We'll just get them one at a time because God loves people. You, you could radically change your workplace one person at a time. One person, and I'm one who knows when I worked in the secular world, I'd work with people one at a time and start getting them saved. Get them to come. We can all do it. We've got the goods. And we already know where the goods are here too. And uh, so he said, I, this house has to be a house of contact. But in all reality, he wanted to be an influence. But all of our relationships with God and different things have influence. They could tell that they had been with Jesus. Notice this in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. Actually, you know what? I'm going to switch. We'll go there in a minute. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. It is a basic principle of life. You know, people are influenced. And in the day and age we live, we need to work on what we're being influenced by. And be purposeful, because here's the thing, we're supposed to be salt and light in the earth, and we can do this. And you got the goods. And so we need to realize we, we can be influenced, but we should be an influence. Because whatever we fellowship with, we can influence. Are you, we're not the weak ones. We're saved. If we know the Lord and we've received Him, we've got the goods. You have them. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. And even though this is negative, it's a principle, so it's positive. It says, do not be deceived or tricked into believing a lie. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company influences people and influences habits, lifestyles. You know, I, I, I've said this to people over the years, you know, during the day, ladies can be left at home. Well, a lot of people work, you know, both spouses work. But then the, some of the offerings they have on TV are just horrible. You know, you can watch As the Stomach Turns, or whatever it's called, and everybody's cheating on everybody, everybody's lying about everybody, and when they're gone, we're going to do this. That corrupts morality. Even if it doesn't win you over, it can make people become more tolerable to things that should not be tolerated. And there's purity with God. And these things are against God's way. And so these things, you know, can influence people. And they can affect people. I've said this for years. When somebody gets unhappy in there, because fellowship is influence. When people get uh, divorced, sometimes I've seen this, where a lady or a guy will get divorced, not altogether because they just hate their spouse or something. They just want to 
see what's out there. You know, or they give way to somebody at work and they start going a different way and they get divorced. And then some of those same people, I've talked to them later on and heard from them, said, I wish I would have never done that. It ruined my life. I remember this one uh, father, his daughter was going through the same thing. He said, I regret doing that. Don't do it. But I found those people in those relationships, you have to be super careful because sometimes you get a divorced, divorced guy or a divorced lady, and if you're married, be careful about going out with them. Because they'll do stuff like this. Oh, it's so fun to be uh, uh, on your own and be single again. I've watched this happen again and again. It's so cool. You, you party. You could do what you want to. What about your kids? They didn't tell you about them, that it affects them. And then they start, why? Because that evil company. We should get them help. God loves them and can revolutionize their life through us, not devolve our lives. Amen? If, if fellowship is influence, let's read this verse again. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Let's read it a different way. Do you not know that good company helps good habits? Do you not know that people of the truth can affect bad habits and revolutionize habits of others? I'm just changing the words because what it is on the negative, it is on the positive. And we got to remember, we're not the weak ones in the bunch. We're the ones with God. So... That doesn't mean we go hang out and do everything with them and stuff, but we can do things and reach them. We've got the goods. So if evil company, what about good company? If people could tell they had been with Jesus and around the disciples and others and there was such an influence, think of it. We are not talking about natural influence. We're talking about people who know God. And already have something from God. If you have Jesus, you've got something. Notice this in Psalm 1. Actually, I'm going to read, because I said I would, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we're going to read one verse after that, or section. 2 Corinthians 3.18. When we fellowship with one another, when we fellowship with God... That's why the world will tell you, you're too busy, you're too whatever. No, we make priorities. We set our lives in order because we're serving the King. And one day the King will come. And the King will be here. And we will give an account to the King. And people who think nothing of it today will regret tomorrow when He comes. But we who have some sense because we've read the Bible and God has gotten things to us, we realize there will come a day when this will all be gone. And we need to do our best today. Because this is the only day we got. 
2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Awesome verse of Scripture. Well, the Bible's awesome. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. In other words, if you look at the Lord, you look in His book, you get around His things, are being transformed because fellowship or interaction is influence. It will influence you. We all know this naturally, and the Bible tells us that you can look at the things created and tell some of the eternal things in God's design. If we got too close to the sun, we'd have too much fellowship. You get too much contributing, you'd melt like an ant under a magnifying glass. Are you allowed to say that? And... Uh, in other words, you know, if we've all been around a campfire and we're cold, we just get closer. And there is a contribution. There is fellowship. Heat comes. So, mmm, heat. If we get too close, back up. But as much as you can handle walking with God, wow. But God wants us to be an influence to the world. And isn't there a transformation of something that happens? You know, you, I mean, I don't know about you, well, in Arizona, this... Maybe it doesn't happen, at least where we're from. But for those of you who have visited a cold place, and you know how you can get cold down into like your bones, and it's like all of a sudden you just have a chill. And you got to wrap yourself with an electric blanket or blankets or get in a hot shower till you get your core changed. You just had an interaction. You, you just had fellowship. And I'll tell you what, the stuff of God runs way deeper than that. And right here it says, but we with all unveiled face as beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of God. Notice there's an influence of God's Spirit in this. Fellowshipping with one another, fellowshipping in His Word. That's why we need to be together. I know we've had people, and I know there's a number of people watching who have said, oh, it's awesome to be able to watch. But then when they haven't been here for a little bit, and then they come back, you know, uh, they're like, there's something different in here. There's something different in here. Stronger, more power being manifest. We should recognize these are the ways of God. This is part of the glorious church. Let's close right here in Psalm 133. Psalm 133. We're going to read the whole chapter. It's three verses. Just thought I'd throw that out there for those who are like, serious? We're going to read the whole? At least it's not like Psalm 119. Once we get to about 100 and verse 130, 160... We'll read that, to, no, at another time. Psalm 133. Behold how horrible and dissatisfying it is for brethren to dwell together in disunity. There is a truth in that. I will say this, when we talk about relationships and fellowship, there's no place for revenge with us. 
I'm not going to talk to you because you didn't treat me right. That's revenge. I'm going to talk bad about you. I'm not going to give you an opportunity. That's revenge. That, there's no place for that with us. Could you imagine if that's what heaven was like? I remember when you did me wrong down there on the earth. That, it has no place for us. We should be quick forgivers. Because God forgave us much. Psalm 133. Let's read it the right way. Behold how good and pleasant. Pleasant. Isn't it pleasant to be in God's presence? To be together, to fellowship with Him? I've seen people who have been around God's things and were like so fired up and went, wow. And then after a while they went away. And they forget what was really there. Maybe years later they come back and went, where have I been? What have I been doing? I forgot what it was like. Or they went somewhere that didn't teach the truth. And they went, what was I doing? How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Here's what it says. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard of Aaron running down to the edge of his garment. Well, I, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want oil all over me. It's like the dew of Hermon. Descending on the mountains of Zion. Well, I don't know if I like having dew. I, you know, I've walked through um, uh, grassy areas and my tennis shoes got all wet. Well, if you just look at it naturally and don't understand what he's saying, you miss the point. When he talks about the oil on Aaron, he's talking about when the power of God came on and he was anointed by God's power and symbolic through that power touching his whole being, he said, look, when brethren dwell together in unity, that power should affect every being. It should work in every part. And he said, how good it is, it's like this. And when he said it's like the dew of Hermon descending all over the mountain, they could look at these mountains, and, and you know, when the sun came up and there was dew, the whole mountain would glisten, the whole thing would be affected. He said the blessing of God and the power of God should affect everybody when we dwell together. Everybody should affect every part, not just the beard, not just this, not just part of the all the way down, dripped off his whole being. That's why people would touch the hem of Jesus' garment because they knew that anywhere you touched on a priest that was anointed, it would affect him. And he said that's how a body should be. Notice, let's end here. It's like the dew of Hermon descending on the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. There's something to fellowship. Fellowship is influence. We should influence others and cause them to know, but bring them to this place of fellowship. They need eternal life. You know, I see some, some people and, and I think, man, they're missing it. If they could just know the Lord, it's not about religion. They'd get eternal life. They'd be revolutionized from the inside out.
And we have an opportunity because we fellowship with the Lord to then be able to, once you know, we've been influenced, we've been saved, we can influence. 